All right, we are live, RTD, uh, live talk. Uh, happy to have Mr. David Morgan thus far and uh, expecting one more gentleman to join us, but figure we'll get started because uh, a lot of people have questions and I have questions. And of course, there may not be specific answers that Mr. Morgan can share with us, but it's always good to hear from the Silver Guru himself. So David Morgan, how you doing this uh, afternoon-ish for you? Mike, I'm doing well. Weather's nice. Got a workout in this morning. Dog's uh, loving his new food, so things are pretty decent. Under the circumstances. Yeah, under the circumstances. So, yeah, everybody. So, it, really interesting times, man. Like, I would have never imagined that 2020 would have started off the way that it has to where now we're, you know, on, on recommended quarantine for now. But I think that uh, something a lot more drastic is coming. But I'll save that for another episode. But um, with that being the case, a lot of people in the precious metals sector have been really excited for the potential of metals to uh, reach a all-time high, but it looks like over the last couple of weeks, due to all this stuff that's going on, it's been going the opposite direction. And so, of course, people are concerned, and I personally am with the long frame of mind is not really looking at the price other than just, just the possession itself. But what what, what are you thinking about uh, this price? I mean, it, can it go much lower from where it is now? Uh, well, one, I don't know for sure. I think silver can't go too much lower but then it'll it will make me look foolish gold could certainly go a lot lower i mean gold is much closer to its nominal high of 1900 than silver is to its nominal high of you know 50. so um i think there's two answers can the metals go lower the answer is yes will silver go much lower i doubt it will go much go much lower uh probably a hundred bucks i think it's you know 1350 the breakout that's a still a six-year high you know so if gold goes all the way back from wherever we were 14 something over the friday's close and dropped another 100 bucks or so i forget the exact close price um it would still be at a six-year high whereas silver and gold up until very recently mike bottomed in december 2015 mm -hmm. gold bottomed i forget at 1140 or something like that and silver somewhere in the 14 handle and then from there, gold had a much better performance than silver. The ratio, gold-silver ratio, kept going up and up and up, meaning that it took more ounces of silver to buy an ounce of gold. And on and on it went. Well, with this recent crash in the silver price, silver has taken out that low substantially. So so there you have it. I mean, we can continue on. But I, oh, the other part I think is important is what can the miners do? I mean, if you look at the Barron's Gold Stock Index, it was at a 70 or low uh, recently, and it's come off. But, I mean, when you have a chart that goes back that far um, and you see a bit of a rise, it's relatively small compared to the overall picture you're looking at of like 100 years. Hmm. We're we could, like silver, hitting a new record, meaning in 5,500 years of recorded history, silver's never gone above 100 to 1. It's gone 101 twice, and we got to 120 or so. Mm -hmm. So that's a that's a one-time deal in all of no recorded history. We don't know if it's accurate or not, but that's what the data tells us. <clears throat> so that's really interesting right there. So let me come back to the point, which is the miners could go a lot lower. So you're not buying a 70-year low in the miners. You might be buying a 100-year low in the miners. You might be buying, I don't know. But right now, for this is... Uh, I've already said it to the public one time. I've said it to my paid members already. I think the best advice I could t give them is 
if you haven't sold yet, use the crypto phraseology, hold on for dear life. You don't want to sell when everybody's liquidating unless you absolutely have to. I said, if you don't have any physical metal, then certainly sell at a loss to get some physical. But most anyone that follows me or is on my paid service, most likely on some physical metal. Mm -hmm. And let's just stand aside and wait. Let's let a little bit of sanity come back in the market. I'd rather pay up somewhat from a known bottom or a very much uh, you know, perceived bottom mm -hmm. than to try to catch that falling knife, watch it bounce, get a 30% move in the GDXJ, think I'm a genius, and then watch it go down 50% the same day. And those are the kind of volatility situations we've seen, Mike. So right now, I have a uh, uh, saying, when in doubt, stay out. I'm on the sidelines that I get out of everything that I had no. I'm still holding a top tier royalty company. And I did pick a really good uh, junior that uh, is holding up quite well. And then those speculations are kind of a different story. That's uh, bet a little when a lot of money can afford to lose. And they're actually dirt cheap. So I'm actually telling my paid subscribers, if you want to you know, venture into those few stocks on that list, go ahead because it's just basically pennies on the dollar. You're not going to be betting a lot of money. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. Andy Shackman, I appreciate you joining us. And so um, the question I threw out there today was that, you know, with everything going on now, you know, everybody was anticipating as the Federal Reserve and everything began going haywires that the prices would go opposite the direction they're going now. And you've been directly in the industry. And so I'm assuming you're, you're of course, you know what's going on. It, you know, can can silver in particular go a lot lower than what it is now? Yeah. First of all, sorry for being late. I had a little some technical issues trying to get on. Yeah, let me take you back to 2008 for a little bit of reference. Uh, sorry, let me get this centered. Um, 2008, we saw something kind of similar. We um, we saw gold go from 1,000 to 700 and silver from 21 to 9 in a one-week period. And, and when that happened, um, uh, within a week to 10 days of that happening, you saw um, every major mint in the world running out of product. Every single one was out of product. Uh, within 10 days or so. The U.S. Mint was shut down eight times. Canada and Austria were working uh, three eight-hour shifts, 24 hours a day. Ultimately, we're taking no new orders just to keep up. Perth Mint of Australia shut down in July of that summer for the rest of the year. And the Rand Mint, for the first time in its 60-year history, ran out of product that year. So one would think that when the price of something is falling as precipitously as that was, 60% in silver and 35% in gold, that you would have no demand whatsoever. Um, it, it, and, and, and typically supply and demand move inverse of each other. So if you have no demand as the price is plummeting, one would think silver would be and gold would be flooding the market. But it was anything but that, actually. Uh, everything was gone uh, completely and totally. And, and actually it was David who called and said he knew some fellas in the medical device industry who had stockpiled silver, a company called Pyromet. Uh, he called me that summer after two months of having nothing to sell whatsoever. And if it weren't for David Morgan, no, no one in the industry would have had any silver to sell for several months. Uh, these folks filled a void with a hundred ounce bar and, and silver shot that they had accumulated when everything else world over was gone. And it was that instance that reshaped my thinking quite a bit uh, as to the disconnection between the paper price and the physical. And the exact same thing is happening right now where, where all the major mints are running out of product or shall we say too much production for them to keep up. 
premiums are going to the moon. Everything is moving inverted in terms of the laws of supply and demand. So either they're being rewritten once again right in front of us, or you're seeing a, um, a insatiable demand that does not believe the silver price. Now, could silver go lower? Yeah, it went to $9 in 2008. And so much so that every single ounce of silver across the globe had been gobbled up in terms of investable silver. There was nothing to find. When the mints finally did wake back up in 2008 towards the end of the year, it would be like this. Yes, I'll take your order, Mr. Morgan, but um, it's going to be 100% uh, premium. So a $9 silver, you're going to pay 18. And, and by the way, you're going to wait eight to 10 weeks to get your product. We're not quite there yet. They say history doesn't always repeat, but it certainly rhymes. And we're heading down that road right now to the point where the United States Mint is out of Silver Eagles right now. The Canadian Mint has completely and totally shut down for a minimum of two weeks. And if you look across uh, the internet, you'll see all the major online companies are selling things like silver maple leaves, if they have them for as much as a 90 to 100% premium, it's happening right here in front of us. Absolutely happening. Now with the, with the spot price, and then the paper future contracts, all that other stuff on the sideline. Will there become a point where the 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 price is set because of all the digital paper hyper whatever stuff? Will it, it will it matter at some point? Because eventually, if you can't source it and the spot price is whatever they they whatever it's it's listed as, will there come a point where the physical will far far out see as far as like say a hundred dollars an ounce in silver to like where like the the premium is that much to where you have to pay that much? Well, here we are five days into this week into this type of event, and it's already pretty close to 100% premium across the board. Um, I don't know if it will if it will happen uh, that way or not, but um, I think you'll we're we're well on our way to to seeing all the available product disappear. That's my biggest concern is uh, is it, the the infrastructure breaking down. As an example, the United States Mint is in West Point, New York. If all of a sudden New York is quarantined, what comes out? And when the when the U.S. Mint shuts down, as they've done already, uh, and then the Canadian Mint, that's the beginning of the end. There are five major mints out there, U.S., Canada, Australia, Austria, South Africa. When those five mints run out of product, it's the beginning of game over. I have accumulated gold and silver every two weeks for 30 years, not as an investment, but as wealth. I have never sold gold and silver in my career based upon fear. For the first time in 30 years, I'm very concerned. And um, and I think for people who want to buy precious metals, you have to act right now. And I hope I'm wrong, but it's it's the same exact thing as preparing for for what, uh, what we don't know is coming down the pike. And I can tell you that there are a lot of people right now that are running to precious metals and, and even people who are buying gold and silver literally for the last decade. We are... Uh, deep into the auditorium right now with people who are calling me saying, I've never bought gold and silver before. Can you help me? Uh, we have done nearly five months worth of business in the past three weeks. The demand is unlike anything I've ever seen before, ever. And um, I'm concerned that this um, leads to major, major, major product shortages. And if you see a breakdown in the supply chain, we're just as uh, we're just as susceptible to breakdowns in supply chains as grocery stores are. Everything is contingent upon it moving either from a sovereign mint or once it gets here by UPS. So 
I think uh, time is certainly of the essence, and it really doesn't matter where the price goes. The, the market already doesn't believe the price that that is quoted right now when you're seeing companies charging uh, in excess of 80, 90 percent on top of premium, on top of spot. Yeah. One of my concerns is that eventually, as, as, as a bullion or coin shop or whatever, with all the activity happening from the Federal Reserve and the fear of just con them continuing to accommodate all businesses, stimulus packages, at some point as, as a bullion dealer, do you see yourself saying, hey, I'm not going to accept or, or I can't accept, you know, the national currency no more? Like, you know, is that a, like a worst case extreme scenario down the line where, you know, you realize it's well below what it comes out the ground as cost wise and the national currency, they, what, what they're going to do to it, I, it's just not worth me taking in anymore from a business standpoint. Does that ever come to mind, anybody? Well, it hasn't really come to mind. I think the market sees through all of that, and you'll mm -hmm. see it by enormous premiums. And fu it's funny, you know, um, I've done a fair amount of public speaking over the last several years, and, and most of my public speaking um, – not for the last two years, but prior to that, for a good four or five years after what happened in 2008, it re really reshaped the way I see things. And for many years, I would I would say that the the price uh, the market would be identified in two ways: from people who don't own any gold, they would or silver, they would look at it as prices are too expensive; they missed their opportunity. But for the people who own it and understand it and try to accumulate it, they will identify it by an inability to source product. The market is really, really very thin. In 1980, there was an 8% allocation to precious metals throughout the United States across the board in portfolios. Today, it's one half of 1%. And the mean or the average over those 40 years is about 2.5%. So if you see people wake up just enough to bring us back to the mean of the last 40 years. That's a five-fold increase in demand. And I tell you right now, this market will absolutely bust open. There'll be nothing left to get. That's always been my major concern. And I was, the last few years, as gold and silver had fallen somewhat out of favor, I began to question if I was right or not. This last week has validated everything I've ever thought. And I hope, uh, I hope things return to normal. But I'll tell you, um, this is no different than toilet paper and, and bottled water at Costco right now. It's, it's disappearing that fast industry-wide, and you don't have to do much uh, research to see what I'm saying is right. Mike, I'd like to just enter in a comment. So going yeah, back go ahead, go. about history doesn't repeat, it rhymes. Totally agree. If we look back at 2008, you know, we everything you said is true, uh, definitely. And thank you for the Pyromet comment, Andy. It was it was joyful for me to be able to call you up and give you a source. but The whole industry, not just me. It's because of you, the whole industry had stuff to sell back then. But in 2008, the spreads did narrow back to normal because even though it was everything Andy says is true, I'll verify everything. Anyone could verify it, really. We were at a situation like toilet paper. We're definitely out of toilet paper. It's hard to source. People are waiting for it. But we're not out of trees. We're not out of the primary source of toilet paper. Trees are still out there. There's a supply shortage because we got to manufacture more. And right now, that's what happened in 2008. There was still silver available. There was no, for all practical purposes, there wasn't any retail product available. Mm -hmm. True. If we repeat or rhyme with 2008, that possibility exists. Doesn't mean it'll manifest this time. It could. I think what's interesting this time is that there are people that in the past have bought thousand ounce of commercial bars, which is 
a derivative, you know, and I'm going to go on a digression. I'll come back, but nothing irks me more than the whole futures market and the financial markets in general, but futures in particular, because a derivative is supposed to derive its price from the primary product. And the primary product is gold. Gold is money and everything else is credit. And we've got all this, this paper money out there worldwide. What's the price of an ounce of gold? I don't know. Well above the five or 10,000 that myself and Rickards and Bill Holter and all these people have talked about, because if that's all the money in the world, think of what, you know, there's only 6 billion ounces. So anyway, so that's the idea of that would be setting the price if it was a free market. And then the futures price would be a derivative of that. Same thing with silver, soybeans, cotton, cocoa, coffee, doesn't matter. None of those markets are settled or derived from the source. They are all wagging the tail, wagging the dog. So it's the derivatives market, a paper, almost fictitious market that determines the settlement price every day. And the problem with it is, one, it's wrong. It should derive its price from the source. And secondly, there's only like a 1% move from that market that goes into the physical reality. So you've got a leverage of about 100 to 1, even in the cocoa market. It might be 50, but I'm giving you the idea, not the exact numbers. They vary. That all of this paper cocoa, soybean silver, is running the price. So I digress to come back. So... In 2008, there was enough silver commercial-wise to finally get back into the manufacturing base to pop out enough minted coins, et cetera, to get the market quelled. Will it happen again this time? I don't know. And the other side of that that I was making a comment about was that in 1999, when Buffett, Buffett bought 130 million ounces of silver, he bought the commercial bars. He took it right off the exchange. And that was about 25% of the above ground silver supply. When I say silver, I try to refer to commercial bars. And what's interesting is that the 130 million ounces could only be satisfied with 90 million ounces, which left a deficit of 40 million ounces. And the, <clears throat> the lease rate for silver went to 17%. And it stayed there for a couple of years. And Buffett hates non-interest bearing investments. Well, when he cornered the silver market, I'll say cornered in quotes, he had 17% on that 40 million that was owed to him for a couple of years. That's a pretty high rate of return. I knew that it had ended and he got the silver when the interest rates, the lease rates, excuse me, the lease rates on silver went back to like one half a percent or so. And that was when all 130 million ounces was accumulated. Which he moved to London. There's a side story there I won't bother to go into if you listen to all my webcasts. No what happened. And then what happened was we had the SLV started with how, how much uh, silver? Oh, <laughs> what a coincidence, 130 million ounces. So <laughs> there's a lot of games that are played in this market and it's really time for it to end. Uh, and I am as biased as they come because I've studied monetary history for so long. And this is just one great, uh, I don't even know the right word or metaphor, but it, this has been the total enslavement of the human population on a global basis due to the money controllers. I think that's as succinctly as I can say it. And we really have the power. I mean, if everyone had the mindset that we have, and I'm not saying it's the right one, but I think it is. If everyone just went down and, and demanded, you know, silver in their pocket, just think about it. Silver was actually the coin of the realm up until very recently, more than gold. If everyone did that, 
you put an end to this thing instantly. But it's undereducation, it's ignorance, it's the cryptocurrencies, it's the digital currency system, it's the power elites that want to see a uh, digital only system, no cash whatsoever, and on and on it goes. So, you know, we've got a real battle on our hands, but this is an opportunity if some of these larger funds and the SLV that purportedly takes physical silver off the market gets gets with the program. They purportedly moved 12 million ounces of silver into the SLV, I think it was in the last week, and I haven't checked the data this week, and I've been I've been pretty inundated with emails, as you might imagine. So maybe there's a couple of funds out there that get the idea that silver is actually more powerful than gold in a way because it's got more leverage. It's a, it's a smaller market. And Andy said, gave you the facts. Mine are slightly different, but the ideas are the same. But the amount of gold held in the financial system at all is about 1%. Maybe it's what he mentioned, but it's very small. And silver is 0.02%. 0.02% of the world's financial asset base is held in silver. Think about that. Interesting. Now, from a dealer standpoint, all I'm hearing about is gold and silver. So are, are, are the inventories low on platinum and palladium as well? Is there like a run on that as well as an alternative? And then what about copper? Like I mentioned earlier this week about, you know, I was looking at some dealers online and copper, you know, well, copper rounds are still there. So if it's like a scramble to get out of paper to get into something tangible, Platinum, palladium, are they also experiencing some shortages or or what's going on in, that, in those markets there? Well, I can speak a little bit with fact. On the palladium side, there were huge margin calls. Once the market started to crumble, it was a pandemonium in the palladium pits that really don't exist. These things are all done off floor these days. Platinum, unfortunately, just sat there. I mean, I think my last platinum purchase was from you, Andy, and uh, you always gave me a good spread as you do, but I just got this platinum sitting here. I've had this platinum for, I forget when they bought it from me, Andy, a while, you know, a, a 20. And I think I bought it around 750, 780, and it's sitting there at 680. I'm not complaining. So I can't, platinum has no um, juice to it because all of the catalytic converters are, let me restate that, primarily all catalytic converters are palladium based in the gasoline industry and the mm -hmm. gas motors. There is platinum used in the diesel motors. So there really isn't a lot of demand. So the palladium is all about how many speculators got in the market as it started rising so substantially. So that's a margin call situation there. Mm -hmm. Platinum is just going along. It's such a small market. I have no idea in reality why platinum palladium are even on the futures exchange really. Mm -hmm. I really don't. Because you've got other metals, I'm gonna digress again, that don't have a futures price and they do just fine. You know, you've got the tin as an example that, you know, usually trace the LME with a metals dealer and they set the price and they move real physical, what a concept, real physical metal between people that actually need tin and people that don't, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So anyway, back to and copper. Um, I really don't know, Mike. I, yeah. Andy may have a better idea. I know it's shot down to two bucks. The chart looks horrible. I think it's telling us what oil is telling us that we are in new territory. We may be going into a global depression. So that's all I'll say about the copper market right now. Global depression. Andy, what are your thoughts on that? On copper and platinum, palladium, where they're at as, as people? Will people be looking to source those are, and are they available to, to purchase right now, especially from, from you? Well, I could see people calling and 
asking for anything that's available towards the end of this, and that would include platinum, palladium, or copper if gold and silver disappear. Mm -hmm. I've always maintained platinum and palladium should be a tertiary part of your investment at best due to the fact that they lack the monetary history that gold and, and silver do. They are, as David said, primarily both uh, used in catalytic converters, uh, palladium in unleaded and platinum in diesel. Um, to me, um, they shouldn't be really a focus of anyone at this time. It should be gold and silver, um, mm -hmm. much, much more so than platinum and palladium, which are speculative investments. Gold and silver are wealth. To me, I look at gold and silver not as an investment, but as wealth and as, as an insurance policy against everything we see coming down the pike right now. Copper, same thing. I mean, you'd need a, a semi-truck to, to uh, get $10,000 worth of copper. It's too heavy. It's, uh, it doesn't have the monetary use. Um, and, you know, there, there's uh, industrial aspects of copper that some may say uh, uh, some at some point might be a good investment. But for me, when I look at gold and silver, I think of them as pure wealth, immutable wealth that's, that's been that way for you know, almost 6,000 years. And, and in times of uncertainty, I think you fall back on that. If things got bad enough, the first thing you would see in this country, it would be currency controls, whereby they would close the borders, not let you get your money up because the inclination of the wealthy when things get real bad, if all of a sudden, for example, we woke up to find uh, a challenger to the a petrodollar. And, you know, you can look at the Chinese petro yuan bond, a bond that China created that buys oil in places like Iran and natural gas from Russia, and they, they pay for it in a bond denominated in yuan that is immediately convertible into gold on the Shanghai Gold Exchange. And that's probably why the Shanghai Gold Exchange has delivered 80 or 90 times more gold than the COMEX has, the price setting mechanism in the last two years. Maybe one day we wake up to find that the dollar has lost its singular petrodollar status. If that happens, you could see massive dollar dumping massive increase in, in uh, inflation and in um, interest rates. And the first thing that would happen would be the government would shut the window. People can't get your money out of the dollar because the inclination of the wealthy would be to flee the dollar, buy something like a Swiss denominated bond or a condo in Vancouver. But the act of buying a Swiss denominated bond or a, a condo in Vancouver first starts with selling dollars to buy those two respective currencies, which exacerbates the inflation and and the velocity at which the dollar is falling so they would close the ability to get your money out of the country so then things like platinum palladium copper anything that gives you shelter from a cascading dollar would come into focus at this point right now to me it's gold and silver before it's all said and done yeah you may see those types of things taking on a much greater uh, role in in protecting your assets but when i look at Platinum and palladium, they're both really hard to come by. Um, platinum, the mints have, you know, maybe made 30, 40, 50,000 pieces each. And that's just between U.S., Canada uh, and Australia. You have some Swiss bars mixed in there, too. But they're hard to come by. As far as palladium, it's the same thing. It's almost as rare as hen's teeth in terms of uh, the actual investable stuff. And most of the dealers don't want anything to do with it these days because, there's the cost of carry. Nobody's buying it. There's a big spread. And when you hold it, you end up holding it forever. So it's somewhat illiquid. Uh, to me, the focus must be on silver first and gold second in terms of value. The neat thing about silver, as David was saying when I jumped on, this is, you know, 
when you talk about a ratio north of 120, that's five feet of snow in, in, in the Florida Keys in August. It just doesn't happen. And to see it at this level is a gift. You could argue if times weren't so distorted and crazy that people should be trading their gold for silver at this ratio. And if we fall back to where it's averaged for the past 150 years, you can almost triple the amount of gold you started with when you swap back in. So these are very, very unusual times whereby not only can you look at, at silver as a life raft in terms of preservation and in terms of a um, some sort of an insurance policy against what's happening, but also reasonably expect to uh, to see it move up and 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 really offer great profit potential. It's not something I normally associate with physical precious metals. It's very difficult, hard for me to argue that silver might be the most undervalued commodity on the planet and maybe the best investment on the planet. Normally, I don't look at it as an investment, though. To me, it's money, it's wealth. It's an unusual time, and, and uh, if you can get it, I don't think it matters what price you pay. You just get number of ounces and get what you can right now because the dollar price is less relevant than than having it in your possession, and I think the dollar price is distorted to begin with. So, yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. One of the things I want to talk about now is that, you know, we're talking about just issues here in the U.S., sourcing and, and dealers not having it. And so well before this time frame, gold has been all time highs in every country. And so I've had people in Australia who, you know, watch the channel and they say, hey, Mike, they shut down the credit card access to for, for people to be able to purchase bullion uh, in certain shops in that area because the whole cash ban is coming there and stuff like that. So are you guys do you guys are you guys in contact with any you know, Australian, European, or what's the, what's the buzz? Are they having the same issues or worse out, you know, out, out abroad? It's everywhere. All the dealers are across the globe are running into the same problems, probably even more so in Europe is, you know, they had problems starting with, with the coronavirus here before we did and people are panicking and uh, it's happening everywhere. Um, not just here. It's, it's, uh, it's across the globe and, and probably more accentuated in, in Europe and, uh, and in Asia. Hmm. Now, one thing like gold prices has soared in every currency, but yet, as I if I pulled up the goldprice.com and then go and looking at silver, silver has not budged a bit. And so, I mean, that's, it's a disconnect all over the planet with silver and gold. Is that because of the, all this? Paper? No, well, no, it's not. And, and and I think everyone needs to understand this. And I've been harping on this now for quite some time. On, on April 1st of 2019, the Bank of International Settlements reclassified gold as the only other tier one asset on the planet next to U.S. dollars. And ask yourself, why would the most sophisticated, well-funded, well-informed traders on the globe, the central banks, reclassify gold as the only other tier one asset on the planet next to U.S. dollars and treasuries if it weren't going to be a significant part of where things were going down the road? And they have been voraciously accumulating it since 2018, a year and a half before the Bank of International Settlements announced the Basel III de um, declarations. So as far as, as as gold leading silver goes further once it catches up, doesn't diminish what silver will do. It's just that the central banks, the, the, the most powerful investment uh, um, vehicles and, and, and um, Players in, in the industry or in the world are are looking at gold vastly different. They're de-dollarizing and accumulating it. So here again, the price smash that we saw, I argue, had nothing to do with the rush to liquidity, nothing to do with margin calls, and had everything to do with perception of reality and 
the commercial banks had the largest short position in history. And if the economy really does blow up, they know that too. And I think maybe this might be the last time they fired all their bullets because when the when the uh, funds that had these huge short positions or these huge long positions rather, when, when they are selling these long positions because the price has fallen, who's there scooping up all of those puked up long positions? It's the commercial banks. The commercial banks are covering silver all the way down to 12 bucks and gold down to 1400 and buying the contracts the whole way up. One of these days, you know, you feel like the little boy who cries wolf. I do. I have for a long time. But one of these days, the wolf comes. And maybe this is the time because it's different now. The economy's in trouble. And maybe the commercial bank said it's time to go long. JP Morgan, according to Ted Butler, has over 950 million ounces of physical silver and 25 million ounces of gold. The central banks have been voraciously accumulating it for two and a half years. It's reclassified as the only other tier one asset in the world. It's changing rapidly. And one of these days we wake up to find that it did change and it, it won't come back. And so either you um, believe that or you fall back on history and say that, you know, people like myself who have been saying this for a few years have been wrong. And I have been wrong. But even a broken clock is right twice a day. And when you uh, base your your um, decisions or your your declarations upon mathematics, upon logic, and a little bit of uh, you know economics to boot, it, it it typically works itself out in the end. You can run from mathematics long you know as long as you can, but once in a, before the before the end comes, mathematics will catch you. And I think maybe that's where we're headed right now. Yeah, quick question. So we have a question, kind of sort of, I thought it came to mind. It says, how do you know your, your gold bars are real? Lots of tungsten rolling around out there. And so that leads to the fact that there's a crunch right now of getting physical. And like always, there's scammers out there that's going to look to take advantage of people out there looking to scramble. So there might be more fakes and all that artificial stuff out there. Is that something that you guys would be would like, would really consider a problem issue because it's coming? A lot, a lot of fake stuff is out there? If you buy your stuff on eBay and, and Craigslist, maybe uh, any reputable dealer in America, that won't be an issue. All of us have machinery that detects fakes, their protocol that we use. But the tungsten is usually typically centered around the very big Comex bars, the ones that are big enough to hollow out and fill with tungsten, which for your listeners out there has, has uh, properties similar to gold in terms of its density and what have you. You'd have to be one hell of a metallurgist to to uh, hollow out a coin, which uh, I you know I don't think that's much of an issue. But buy from a reputable source, stick with coins, and you'll have no problems. Interesting. So I want to, uh, as always, if anybody has any questions, feel free to ask. And so I want to get your thoughts on what's going on now. And so the the equities markets is crashing, stimulating everything. Have you guys kind of like just thought ahead as to? What's this rest of the spring will look like and heading into summer? And you know, do you guys really pay much attention to the global macro picture as far as how things are melting down? Yeah, I've always done that. I mean, gold and silver are kind of a subset of the entire financial system. And, you know, I think it was Greg Hunter or somebody on uh, one of the shows said, well, you guys, and he's referring to Jim Sinclair, not myself, but you guys have to look at everything to be a good gold analyst, you know, and I agree with that. So, yeah, uh, I don't think anyone knows at this point. It really depends on this reaction to this virus situation and where how long it goes in duration. Uh, there's already 
obviously huge upsets in the entire supply chain, and those won't be rectified instantly. You've got the Baltic Dry Index, which is your dry goods being shipped across the oceans at, a, I think it's an all-time low or near it. And you've got oil, as I said earlier, which is kind of the premier um, asset to look at to find out what's really, you know, how strong an economy is. So we are in, as I said earlier, the potential to have another Great Depression. And of course, it wouldn't be a U.S. 30s depression. And that happened. Europe was in a depression as well. I know that. But this would be more of a global depression. And, you know, most of Walmart's filled up with stuff from China. And if their ships aren't coming out from China, then what are they going to fill their shelves with? Not much. So I think, and I've, you know, done the technical work for years. I still use it to a, not a large degree, to a necessary degree. But, you know, I know most of this stuff. And so on a Fibonacci retracement, something this catastrophic, <clears throat> you would expect at least a 50% decline, which implies about 15,000 basis of Dow. So 30 to 15. And I just put out my weekly perspective, which is for free for everybody that's on our free letter. And I said that I see the bottom, the first, it could be the first bottom, but I see a bounce somewhere between 18,000 and 15,000. So that's, that's that. And a really bad bear market, you get using a Fibonacci analysis somewhere around point, the golden mean 0. 0.666 or 667. Um, so you get a 67% decline. And I can't do that in my head, but somewhere what around 13 or something like that. What I want to point out before I go further, I'll turn over to Andy is when we had the 2008 financial crisis and even the mainstream calls it a financial crisis, we got down to roughly 5,000. The market wasn't undervalued. It was fair valued. And all markets go undervalued, fair valued, or overvalued, or overvalued, fair valued, and undervalued. So even though it was smart to jump in at the bottom of 2008 and ride that thing all the way up and all that, and I commend those that did, good for you, that's fine. But you weren't buying an undervalued market. You were buying a fair valued market. I think this time we're going to get an undervalued market. I think it's a paradigm shift this time. I think it's gold good, stocks bad from a long, longer-term perspective. I'm not talking about what happens in the next three or six months. I'm talking over the next three to six years. If you look back, you're going to say, you know, I wish I would have bought gold when it got to that 18, 1900 mark and was making a new nominal high. But doggone it, when I called Andy, the price, the you know, the premium was still 200 bucks and I just couldn't pay it. It just bothered me to pay that much of a premium. And then gold's sitting there at 6,000 and the Dow's down to 5,000. And now you have that one-to-one -one parity that Mike Maloney talks about all the time. So, you know, that's my take on it longer term. Time will tell. Could I be wrong? Yeah, I could. But uh, I don't think so. I think the paradigm has shifted dramatically. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. So I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts. And this is on a personal note. Feel free to answer if, if, if you feel comfortable. On a political front, uh, President Trump. Um, do, do you think that this current political cycle will continue to go through or because of everything's going on, we may not have an election or, or what, what are your thoughts on a personal note? You want to go first, Andy? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> or, or look, look, anything's possible nowadays. I mean, in the look, look at how much has changed in the last few weeks. No one would have thought any of these things that are happening now would have ever been possible. And uh, I think that if you start to see, 
national quarantines and the National Guard coming in and closing down uh, cities. And, and uh, as fast as this is exponentially growing in terms of cases that seem to be doubling every five to 10 days, yeah, it's a distinct possibility. Um, you know, no one's going to gather at polling uh, stations to to cast their vote. Um, I never thought I would say something like that. I always thought people who said that kind of stuff were nuts. And um, I, my my thinking is vastly different after just witnessing um, what's happening in my industry over the last five days. I've never stayed at my office past seven o'clock once in 30 years. And I've been there till one, two, three, four in the morning every single night for the past two weeks. And um, so could it happen? Absolutely. Things are moving at, at, at a at a breakneck speed. And, and I think people who aren't taking this seriously enough should all go listen to peakprosperity.com, Chris Martinson, and uh, someone I have a tremendous respect for. And go listen to a few of his podcasts and see what he's talking about in terms of mathematics, how fast this thing is doubling and what will look like in a couple, two, three weeks. And that's why I've been telling people to move as fast as you can, because my biggest concern as it pertains to this industry is a complete and total breakdown in the supply chain, which um, which could very, very, uh, everything is fluid at this time. And I think you have to expect the unexpected and, and just realize that, you know, this time it is different and uh, you can draw parallels and you can use technical analysis and uh, things like Fibonacci, who, which have been very useful forever, but look, there are two motivating factors in this world, greed and fear. And I'll tell you, I can promise you fear is a whole lot, a whole lot more motivating than is greed based upon what I have been seeing lately. And I'll tell you another thing. When I started in this industry in 1990, the Dow Jones was 2,100 and the Nikkei was 39,000. And Japan made better TVs, better automobiles, better VCRs, better everything. They were taking over the world. They owned Pebble Beach. They owned Rockefeller Center. They owned casinos in Vegas and ski resorts in Colorado. And here we are, 30 years later, the Dow Jones went from 2,100 to 30,000. The first show I ever went to, someone said it would be 10,000, and he was laughed off the stage. That was in 1990. And the Nikkei, with interest rates at or near zero for the better part of 30 years, is roughly 50% of its all-time high, still hasn't gotten back up there. So the moral of the story is, if I've learned anything in 30 years, and there are very few absolutes in finance, the one thing I can say absolutely is that bull markets go a whole hell of a lot higher than anyone thinks possible, and bear markets fall further than anyone will ever think possible. And you throw a whole bunch of fear on top of it and a global depression and uh, it's a whole new playbook. And I think you need to trust your gut, not your financial advisor who's telling you to hang on this time. This time it might be different. It's time to trust your intuition and, uh, and uh, do what, uh, what it's telling you to do instead of listening to someone else telling you, just hold on, it'll come back. Because this time it may not come back. And for the folks in Japan who for 30 years held on, they're still at 50% of where they were back then. So um, I think there's a lesson to be learned in that. I just want to add on, I agree, you know, I'm open-minded. Is the election thing up for uh, a reevaluation? I'd say yes, uh, because I'm open-minded, I don't know. I'd also like to add on, you know, and please go ahead and put, you know, I'm a fear monger in a column. It always gets me excited, but 
I want to add on specifically what Andy said about the supply chain. What if the postal system closed down because of the coronavirus for two weeks? How about two months? So Andy has shipped you your silver. It's in registered mail. And I know you do other forms, Andy. I don't want to speak for you, but you get the idea. I'm trying to give the correct idea. So yeah. your package is in a uh, delivery system, be it UPS or USPS or FedEx or whomever. And they're all closed down for a month. It's one of my biggest fears, David. And one of the things I've told all of my people who've been buying from me lately is that I've already made arrangements that if in something like this happens, everything will be stored in one of our vaults for free indefinitely in segregated accounts um, until such time as the supply chain or the delivery services open back up or people are able to get to one of our two vaults to, to pick things up. It's my biggest concern. And I, I'm telling you that uh, to me, I think that's more more plausible than just about anything right now because what happens if all the drivers get sick? What happens if the postal carriers get sick? And to think that won't happen is naive. Um, so I'm already ahead of the game on that and, and, and thinking about that very, very much. Absolutely. I think you're right on there. Well, I hope I'm wrong, but I think it needed to be voiced. And I didn't know your response. I kind of suspected knowing you that you had something like that in mind, but not all dealers do. How many of your internet bullion dealers have the ability to have what you have on a vaulting basis? I wouldn't expect too many. I guess they could leave it with a wholesaler or something. That's what they would. Most of the people that, that you're buying gold from in the industry do not package it up themselves. Right. And uh, so that's exactly right. They would have to leave it with a uh, with a wholesaler, with a vaulting uh, system. Uh, just as a footnote, not to, uh, to be self-servant, but I have kept up. I've been working 22, 23 hours a day to not only service people, but also stay on top of the supply chain. And we have an awful lot of product on its way to us. I've been buying from every dealer across the globe and every small coin shop and any person that would be reluctant enough to part with that I'm buying it. So for your listeners out there, one of the promises that I've been making lately is I'll beat any price in America. And I have been doing that. Um, I've been doing that now for the past month. Um, give us a try. We're not an online company. I don't believe in online. There's too much fraud. There's too much identity theft. We could spend a whole podcast talking about things I've seen in the industry personally in terms of fraud and identity theft. You wouldn't believe it. I mean, it would be Ripley's Believe It or Not. I'm, I'm dead serious. Uh, as egregious as people getting their house stole, stole out from underneath them via title theft and a title company wiring us the proceeds of the sold home. Uh, and it gets worse from there. So suffice it to say, um, anyone that emails me at andy at milesfranklin.com um, specifically me, Andy at milesfranklin.com, myself or one of my brokers will reply back, answer questions. And until supply chains completely break down, hopefully they don't, we will do our very best to meet or beat any national company in America and deliver with proper expectations in terms of delivery delays. And there are delivery delays everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if something breaks down in the meantime, every border will be held segregated uh, in, a, in one of our two vaults, probably the Dakota Depository in Fargo, North Dakota, uh, and would, everyone would have a, a certificate emailed to them with their holdings, and this would be for free indefinitely until such time that we can rectify the situation. All right. Well, gentlemen, um, you, you guys answered my question, so I appreciate you uh, taking time uh, on a Saturday to 
hang out and educate and as well as give people some, some, some answers to their questions or whatnot. And so once again, gentlemen, be blessed, be safe. And as always, I'm going to stay connected with you guys and definitely uh, pray that everyone makes it through this on the other side. And we are still in a, uh, in a country that we recognize and want to say is, and be proud of as our home. So that's one of my concerns that it may not be a, a, a country that I would want to grow up in if I was young after what's going on, but Another episode for that. But gentlemen, uh, Andy, uh, thanks for t- thanks for joining me. Dave Morgan is always great to hang out with you as well. Everybody, if you've enjoyed this, share this information. Other than that, be blessed, be safe as well. Enjoy your weekend. And we're back at it for another week of whatever comes our way. But it's all in the Lord's hands. So I'm not worried. So any last thoughts you guys want to leave us with before we part? Well, I'd like to leave just one thought. And um, I, um, I owe David Morgan a debt of gratitude. Uh, David helped me get started in this industry on many levels. And I hold him in the highest of esteem and respect. And everyone listening needs to listen to David's weekly and semi-weekly missives. It's uh, invaluable information. And uh, David, uh, appreciate everything you're doing. You stay healthy. We need you very much. Uh, You got to stay out there and keep informing the world about what's going on. Well, thank you. I'm touched, Andy. And it was always it was so much fun when we first met and from that uh, relationship we built for quite some time. So it's great to see you both, Mike, and you're doing quite a great job as well. I remember the first time you met me on the internet and I loved your rethinking the dollar. I just think that's a great, uh, great way to to approach it, you know, get people to start thinking. So I'll sign out with that. Thank you both. And let's all stay healthy. Yeah. All right, everybody be blessed. Be safe. You guys later. Enjoy your day, gentlemen. Bye guys.